Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, the podcast that brings light to dark places. I can't think of a darker place than murder for cannibalism. And that is what we're going to be covering today, guys. It's the murder of Burn Brands by Armin Mivis. He's sometimes referred to as the Rotenberg Cannibal or the Master Butcher. Oh, creepy names but I guess appropriate for this sort of a crime. This is one of the more well-known cases, actually one of just a tiny handful of cases that people do know about connected to the death fetish community. It seems like this one got a lot of coverage in the media because it's just so outrageous. And I know a lot of people have covered this case on their podcasts and on their true crime documentaries but we would be totally remiss to not add it to our collection because it certainly fits our criteria. This is a story of a man who was murdered because of a death fetish that involved cannibalism, and both parties had this fetish, and they met in one of these death fetish forums online, so it has to be talked about. And it also touches on a very interesting topic, which is this. Can someone consent to their own murder? Is there such a thing as a willing victim? And as we've seen in so many of these cases, willing or not, people are going to prison for these murders. It's not okay. A suicidal person is not in good mental health. It's like allowing someone with a severe mental disability to make important decisions for themselves. You wouldn't do that. You would instead appoint for them a caregiver or a guardian. That's what you do. Yeah. Suicidal ideation is something that kind of flows in and out of somebody's life. But in those moments where somebody is having suicidal thoughts, they really aren't in the best place to be making decisions for themselves. And I can't help but think that there are people that are taking advantage of this in these death fetish forums. They're preying on people who, in the moment at least, are not mentally sound to be making big life decisions for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's actually very scary, a very scary thing that's happening. I'm not sure how many of you follow our social media, like our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, but I've been on a crusade lately. I've been just so fed up with the people in the death fetish forums, the fetishers. 
because they just keep saying, oh, I just fantasize about this. I'd never do it in real life. I'm a good person. All of us in here are good people who would never murder anyone. We just like to talk about it all day long. So I have been taking some extra steps recently to prove that this is not true, to prove that there are people in these communities that will kill you. So I've been going undercover chatting with various members on death fetish forums. And let me tell you, these men, they are all too willing to meet up with you in person to murder you. They are setting dates and times with me. They're picking locations. And so far, the police are doing nothing about this. I have called to make police reports and the police are telling me that nothing has happened yet, so they can't do anything. But we know damn well that conspiracy to kidnap is a charge that can be pressed or filed against somebody with evidence. So we can't stop doing this. We're going to forge on until we get some charges here for these people. Every single one of these fetishers is a risk to our lives. Absolutely it is. And I want to add this thought process that gets shared with us all the time by these fetishers that, oh, this is just fantasy, right? That we would never act on it. These are people that have communicated with Alicia or myself and they're saying, hey, this is my fantasy. I want to make it reality. Meet up with me. And there's a lot of them. There's no shortage here. We're going to keep doing our own little grassroots sting operations and filing police reports until we get some motion here. We're not going to stop. So listeners, if you know a reporter, a journalist, a news anchor, an FBI agent, law enforcement, just, you know, shoot them our way. Let them know that this is happening because every listener, every share helps us get closer to amassing an army against this death fetish community and putting a stop to all of this terrible behavior. So I'll get off my soapbox there, but I just wanted to let people know that that's one of our biggest critiques or feedback from people that are involved in the death fetish community is that they think that none of them cross over into reality and murder people. And that's simply not true. We are presenting case after case after case where it ends up in real murder. And whether or not both parties agreed to it, it still is illegal and it'll still put you in jail. So it needs to stop. So, yeah, I'll get off my soapbox now. LaDonna, go ahead and set the scene about Armin and Bern. You bet. The year is 2001, and Armin is lurking around Germany, like literally lurking. He seems normal enough, though. He's a 39-year-old computer technician. His neighbors have reported that he was super nice, often inviting them to dinner. He would help them with their yard, any kind of outdoor work that they had to do. But so what they wait, didn't, he's a cannibal that's inviting people to dinner at his house? I know. I almost made a joke there, but yes, he is. I that's don't know gross. he was feeding them, but he was inviting them to dinner. Can you imagine later finding out that he was a cannibal and that you had been to his house for dinner? Mm, like, sick. what the hell did I eat? But all of these nice things that they had to say about him at the time, they didn't have any idea that he'd been hiding a deep, dark, terrifying secret. And he had been harboring this secret since he was eight years old. By the time he was eight years old, he was already having fantasies about killing and devouring his classmates. That's intense. I'm dumbfounded by that. He also wished that he had a younger brother to keep forever by consuming him. It's just creepy. He says that the children's book Hansel and Gretel 
had a profound impact on him. And it's crazy to me that a story like that would seem like a good idea to him because it's so horrifying. But most of the time when you read, like I remember reading Hansel and Gretel when I was little. And to me, it felt, uh, I guess, like a cautionary tale. It made me frightened to go too far from my parents alone because I was like, oh, there's people out there like that. That's terrifying. So for him, he's reading this and he's already at eight years old, like, "Hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's, you know, I have a nine-year-old. And so I'm just thinking about how innocent that child is and just playful and loving and all the things that I know about this child. And Armin was nothing like that. I mean, he was into death and horrible things at that age. And it just, it makes me really sad that he didn't get the help that he needed. But he carried these deep, dark, death fetish fantasies with him for years. I mean, it just continued to grow with him as he aged. So he's got these horrible thoughts his whole entire life. And then when his mother dies in 1999, something clicked, something changed for him. He felt that his desires were getting so much stronger, almost like he couldn't control them. And when he was home alone, he would start firing up his computer and navigating over to a website called the Cannibal Cafe. On the Cannibal Cafe website, he had an alias that he used called the Antrophagus. And that's a word that means, oh, this is so disgusting, feeding on human flesh. Basically, it means he was a cannibal. So he's already labeled himself in there. I I guess that's when in Rome, he's in the cannibal cafe and he thinks he's got this clever, uh, clever word to let everyone know that he is, in fact, a cannibal. Yeah, it's and it gets worse. He starts posting ads on the cannibal cafe that said he was seeking a well-built young man who wants to be. Yeah, so he's just tossing it out there. He's like, I've come here. It's my one-stop shop. I'm going to find somebody to eat. Uh, It's gross. It's not surprising, though, for the Cannibal Cafe. And that website is, it's almost like Necrobabes. It's one of the founding websites. It's been around for a very, very long time. It's morphed into a few different URLs. And it's a huge topic with lots of drama, and we do know the true identity of the owner of the Cannibal Cafe, so stay tuned. We're going to pop up an episode about that website itself and the owner of the website, because he's he's a piece of work, so we'll get into that later. But uh, back to Armin, he's logged on, he's posted an ad, he's looking for a victim, and one day he logs in. And I can just imagine he's sitting on his computer and he starts breathing heavily. He's excited because he sees that there's a post by somebody that calls himself Kator. And this person is expressing the interest uh, to be eaten alive. He's got an ad that says, no slaughter, but eating. This really excites Armin. He sees it and he thinks this is somebody that will allow me to eat them. So I need to talk to this guy. So he responds. And the two of them start going back and forth every day, tons and tons of emails describing what they will do together when they meet. Oh, this is just really gross to me. Yeah, they're on the same wavelength. On February 5th, 2001, 
Cater says, I hope you're really serious about it because I really want it. And I've already met enough cyber cannibals. Cyber cannibals. I'm sorry. That's funny. Yeah, he's sick of those fake cannibals. He wants a real cannibal to eat him alive. Yeah. And as fate would have it, Armin was that guy. He was serious. He was dead serious. And he was a real person, just as Cater was. Yeah, I just, I can't even. This, the cannibal stuff is just, oh, my stomach's churning. It turns out Cater was a 43-year-old engineer from Berlin, and his name was Burned Brands. And like Armin, Burned appeared to have a great life from the outside. He was successful in his career. He was financially stable and had a long-term live-in girlfriend named Bettina. Burned had recently told Bettina that he desired men sexually, and it was something that caused them to break up. Well, I could see that she might have a problem with that. I mean, you know, I I could see her wanting a commitment to just her. You know what I mean? And not other people, men or women. I don't blame her for breaking up with him. But it doesn't sound to me like he even told Bettina the truth. That not only did he sexually desire men, but he had cannibalism fantasies about them. Yeah, I guess it was, he was taking baby steps. Maybe he wanted to see if it was okay for him to have other partners. And then maybe he was going to put that in there. But she was like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. And I mean, that's okay. If you want to be in a a relationship where other people aren't part of the equation, I mean, you have that right. So Bettina was probably best to take off because she didn't know the truth about her cannibalistic honey. I mean, oh, anyway. On the evening of March 9th, 2001, Armin and Burned met in person and they were so excited to make their extreme death fetish fantasies of cannibalism a reality. That's just, it's weird to me. Oh, I just could see them all excited. I can't, I can't believe we're finally meeting. You know, we get to be cannibals together. We get to have this fantasy together. It's a love story, LaDonna. Yeah, I just, I can't, I cannot understand. But the plan was that Armin would remove Burns' penis. (laughs) Burned wanted Armin to bite off his penis with his teeth. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he wanted him to cook it for both of them to eat together. Is that even possible? Can you bite off a penis? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So on March 9th, Armin took Byrne to his farmhouse and started videotaping the meetup. Armin shows Byrne alive. He's alive. You know, I could just see him kind of skipping and doing a little jig together because they're so excited that they're getting ready to eat Byrne's penis. And um, Armin actually has Byrne start talking about how he is there willingly. He wants to make it abundantly clear that Byrne was consenting to all of what was getting ready to happen. He's covering his ass. Yeah, he was, because he was going to eat that penis. He was going to eat all of him. I'm sorry. He was just so serious about it. I, I'm not trying to make light of it. I mean, it just, it is what it is. It's just really hard to grasp. It really is. It is. And I tend to deal with very difficult topics with a little bit of humor. So I don't want to offend anybody. It's the best way I know how to get through this. So diving back in. Burned then medicated himself, this is so sad, with 20 sleeping tablets and half a bottle of cold medicine. That's a lot of sleeping pills. Yeah, his thought process was he was hoping to manage the pain that he was going to experience from being eaten alive. 
And for some reason, he still wanted to go through with this. He he must have thought this was worth it. So I guess that tells us that he really wanted this too. He had a very strong desire because he was willing to go through all that pain to be able to experience this. Yeah. And this next part is going to be a little bit <laughs> difficult to get through. So let's do this the best that we can. But Armin, well, Armin wasn't able to bite off Burns penis with his teeth. Called okay. that. and. Uh, because he couldn't bite it off with his teeth, he had to use a knife to cut off Burn's penis. That makes and he sense. Cut, cut the penis off around 6.30 p.m. And so once the penis was off, okay, Burns can be seen on the film uh, scooping up half of the penis and trying to eat it raw. Wow. He says that it's too tough and chewy. And Armin decides to cook it up for them. So beyond any horror story, this is just so bad. Yeah, this is just really awful. And so um, Armin goes and cooks the penis and he uses salt and pepper and garlic and wine. He adds some fat from Burns' body, but he doesn't do a very good job of cooking it. I guess it got burnt and they both end up agreeing that it's no good. So they feed it to the dog. Just... (laughs) I am literally speechless right now. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it really is. And now they've involved an animal in this. I mean, it's just, it's like when it, it doesn't seem like it can get any worse. It gets worse. So, you know, at this point in the story, Burns in pretty bad condition. Oh, I bet it is. This is horrific. Yeah. And he doesn't make any other attempts to eat himself. So at this point, it's beyond the fantasy then. Like, it, I, I would imagine that this did not go how they thought it would. No, it didn't. I mean, you know, he, they've chopped off his penis. It's not as appetizing as they thought it was going to be. Okay. I'm just trying to be blunt. It's not what they thought. They've tried to spice it up with wine and salt and pepper, and none of that works. Okay. Burned, of course, his condition is not good, like I mentioned. In fact, he starts bleeding. He's bleeding profusely. I mean, he's had his penis cut off and other parts of his body for the fat to include in the cooking of the penis. And so at 8 p.m., Burn requests that Armin run him a bath so that he can just bleed out and die there. So that's a change. That's a change, yeah. I think, because, you know, in his original ad, he said he wanted to be eaten alive. And I don't, you know, that didn't include dying, but this was so bad. His penis was cut off at 6.30 and by 8 p.m. So he went through an hour and a half of this. He decided that he wanted to die at that point. Yeah, it's just, it's really awful. And Armin does as he's told and he puts him in the tub. Okay. He leaves him there, and this, this is bizarre to me, but he puts him in the tub, he leaves him there to die, and he sits in another room reading a Star Trek book. This is absolutely the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It's like you can't make this shit up, right? But Armin does go in and check on Burned every 15 minutes or so. You can see in the video, he's still got the video going, that Burned is in and out of consciousness in the bathtub. And of course he would be because he's bleeding out. I mean, yeah. A few hours go by, and then Burned calls out for Armin. He climbs out of the tub and collapses on the ground. That's so Armin, sad. Armin, you know, carries him 
gently to the bedroom where he leaves him there for a few more hours. So this guy is suffering. He's continuing to bleed and suffer and, and go through all of this pain. And at 3.30 a.m., Byrne tries to get up from the bed and he collapses again. I, I would imagine that he's lost so much blood that, yeah, you know. he's super weak. He's weak and I'm sure it's clouded you know, his thought process. But at this point, he can be heard on the video whispering his last words. It's hard to share this, but his last words were, I have to piss. Wow. It's interesting that his last words would be about that area that he had been wounded in. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, Armin decides to put Burns out of his misery. And he takes a knife from the kitchen. And stabs Burns in the throat. And interestingly enough, in the video, Armin can be seen praying over Burns before he actually kills him. He knows what he's doing is terrible. I wonder, was he praying for Burns? Was he praying for himself? This is a horrific situation. And that kind of, I feel like, clues us into how they were feeling about this. To me, this looks like it went terribly wrong. Like, was this worth it for the two of them? I That would be my question at this point in the story. Yeah, I think that they did not probably think some of it out. They didn't foresee, and I don't know why they didn't, but they didn't foresee the sheer amount of pain, of bleeding, all of those things that are associated with these acts of violence that they had committed. So. I don't think that they were fully prepared for what they were going to face. Yeah, I think they were just so focused on how great it would be to eat a penis that they didn't think out the other details of the situation. And they had to live through that and kind of stumble through it. It It's really sad. Yeah. And Armin... At this point, he goes ahead and takes a 45-minute break. I believe the film's still running at this time because then you can see him on the film. He takes Byrne's body and he hangs him on a meat hook and dismembers him and removes piece by piece of his flesh. And this is all on film. You can see him doing it. And during the video, you can hear Armin speaking to Burns's body, saying things like, Shall I cut you in half, my darling? Oh, my God. So this is a turnaround for Armin. This becomes pleasurable for him again at this point. It doesn't seem like he was enjoying him being alive in his home. That was kind of uh, awkward, it almost sounds like. But then when he's alone and he's just dealing with this body, He's happy to do it. He's butchering him and putting pieces of burn in his freezer, packing him in so that he can eat him over a long span of time. Oh, this is really, really hard to, I hate to use the term digest, but but it's comprehend, comprehend. It's hard to comprehend. It's the worst thing we've ever covered. This is hands down the most terrible death fetish story that we've come across yeah i'm really just so terribly sad for burned i know that he went into this willingly but what a horrible horrible way to die and armin total psycho he goes ahead and takes burn's skull and puts it in his garden it becomes a good experience for him and he continues to cook and eat burned for 10 months oh 
he ate 44 pounds of human meat and flesh before he was apprehended by the police. That is so disgusting. And the police caught Armin because he was continuing to use Cannibal Cafe. He was going on the website still, posting ads to meet up with men. He met up with five other men just like that and did not end up killing them. So it seems like there was a strong sense of, I can only do this if the person wants me to. And I'm imagining that these other guys came over and who knows if he shared the meat with them or if he shared the story with them, but he did not kill these other guys that came over to his house. But he was still posting ads in the Cannibal Cafe looking for a willing victim. I'm just floored by this and I am speechless. This is how he gets caught, though, because there was an Australian student who saw these ads and just like us, he felt very strongly that this needed to be turned over to the police. And the police, thankfully, took this seriously. And they went ahead and went to Armin's house and said, we're going to search your house because we know that you want to kill somebody and eat them. Good. So, I mean, that's what needs to happen when there are reports made of credible threats to society of someone who is trying to meet up with people for the very cause of murder. That's what the police need to do. That's That should be sworn, enough. Yeah, they're sworn to protect and serve. So go check it out. So they go look through his house and they're like, is this guy for real or is he not for real? And they find all this flesh and human meat in Armin's house. And so they're like, all right, we're going to take him in. We're going to arrest him. So he was arrested in December of 2002. And he was all too happy to talk about everything he had done. He showed very little remorse upon being arrested. He was like a chatty Kathy. And there's a lot of really disgusting quotes out of him speaking with the police. But he says, with every bite, my memory of him grew stronger. And this is Armin talking about eating burned. That's sad. That's just wrong. He told the police that he liked to cook burned in olive oil and garlic and rosemary. And that he had even paired the human meat with a bottle of South African red wine. So he's talking about it like he's some culinary genius and he wants to be recognized for what he's doing. And I quote, he says, I decorated the table with nice candles, took out my best dinner service, and I fried a piece of rump steak, a piece from his back. And I made what I called princess potatoes and sprouts. He goes on to say, the first bite was, of course, very strange. It was a feeling I can't really describe. I'd spent over 40 years longing for it, dreaming about it. And now I was getting the feeling that I was actually achieving this perfect inner connection through his flesh. The flesh tastes like pork, but a little bit stronger. Okay. Oh, this guy is, this is twisted. I know you said it before that this is one of the more you know, intense stories that we've covered, but Armin, his mental state seems very, very unstable. This is just, I'm having a hard time processing this. He's cuckoo bananas. Absolutely. He reports that after eating burned, that he felt much more stable mentally. He says that his ability to speak English improved remarkably after eating burned. 
Ladonna, have you ever heard, I don't know where it's from, but I've heard a quote before where people, you know, it's like a joke. People say, I'm going to eat your brain and gain your knowledge, or I'm going to eat you and gain your powers. Have you ever heard that before? No, I have not. I don't know where that comes from, but that quote definitely comes to mind. Like, this guy's delusional. Yeah, this whole thing is delusional, insane, and horrific. There's just no other way to describe it. Thankfully, though, in January of 2004, Armin was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to over eight years in prison. This case, as you can imagine, was very sensational for obvious reasons. But there was a lot of uproar and outrage about his sentencing because he got eight years. That was it. I think that that wasn't enough. But other people thought he should have only gotten five years, which was the maximum sentence for killing on request. I'm so confused by that because I don't think that they gave him enough time. Yeah. So, and it sounds like this was a huge outrage for people because it it caused them to be in this camp or that camp. So you were either somebody who felt that he was being punished harshly and that he should have only gotten five years because of the consent aspect, which I really don't think should be a thing. I don't think that if you're having these kinds of death fetish fantasies i consider you mentally ill and you need help and you're not okay to make decisions for yourself so i don't believe that you can be a willing victim of murder i think that you have a mental issue if if that's the case so there's some people that fall in that camp and you know we're going to be the people that say this is a terrible crime this is a predator preying on a mentally ill person and they should have a life sentence. And then you're going to have the other camp of people who will say, this was consensual. There shouldn't be much of a charge. And I, I feel really passionate about this because I think that this is what is happening even with our work and our podcast. We have people who hate us and don't understand what we're doing at all. And then we have people who feel very passionate about protecting human life. Yeah, it's crazy to me to watch the two extremes because I don't understand the camp that wants to stick their head in the sand and pretend that this is not going to impact them and we should do nothing about it. I don't yeah, understand I think that. It's, it's fine until it's your family member and then it's not fine anymore. Absolutely. Well, thankfully, the group of people who believe that he should be put away for life, their voices were heard and that group was victorious. So there was a second trial in May of 2006, and Armin was convicted of murder this time and sentenced to life in prison. I am so glad that that's the case. That gives me hope. I'm so glad that we are likely in the majority. Yeah, me too. And that, I mean, that's and that that's what we need know. to see happen here. I mean, I, it makes me want to kind of give a spoiler about some of the things that we've been working on, and I won't. I won't say anything about it. But just to see that the reluctance of certain police departments to get involved in dangerous situations where someone is looking for a murder victim has been very disturbing to me. And that's okay. There's going to be people on both sides and we just need to keep being loud so that we can find the other people that are like us that can help with these issues. They have to be out there. There has to be good policemen. There has to be good FBI agents. Maybe they're not the majority, but I have to believe that there's some of them out there still that will hear this and say, I'm going to help. I'm going to do something to make this a, a safer world. And with this case in particular, some law changes were made. There were definitely people in Germany that 
realize like there is an issue here. We do not have laws that allow us to sentence this man properly for this situation. And so Armin was actually the first person in Germany to be charged with murder for sexual satisfaction, or they called it love cannibalism. So there were actually new laws that got created in Germany just because of Armin in this situation and this murder. Well, thank God for that. Yeah. And I just have one last little tidbit of information before we go that I think is so weird. So ironically, it's reported that Armin has become a vegetarian while he's been in prison. (laughs) There's so much I could say about that, but I think I won't. (laughs) I think we will. Is that the remorse? I don't think it's remorse. I think it's fear, potentially, of other prisoners seeing him eat anything other than vegetables or... Maybe nothing else can quench his taste buds anymore in terms of meat other than human flesh. There could be some really sick psychology behind it. I don't think it's for a good reason that he's become a vegetarian. This guy didn't seem like a fault. I am. Yeah, but I mean, as much as we've learned about the fetishers and their thought processes and their inability to show remorse, I've yet to see a fetisher that's been truly remorseful for their actions that have acted out a murder. Have you? No, I can't think of a single one. With the trials and the court documents that we read about these cases where the murderer is in the death fetish community, it seems like all the experts hold a very strong opinion that this is something that will never change about them, that they're not going to be able to like go through therapy and let go of this obsession. Yeah, it's something that I don't think that they can be, quote unquote, cured of. And so he's eating vegetables for all the wrong reasons. I'm just saying. So on that note, I want to thank everybody for listening today. I know today's topic was super tough to hear, to think about, but it's important that we share these stories with you so you can understand the horror that is associated with death fetish. I do hope you'll join us again next week because we're going to deep dive into the Cannibal Cafe again where we expose the true identity of the man responsible for creating this horrific nightmare of a place that glorifies the murder and cannibalism of women. Yeah, it has to be talked about. I actually don't think that the Cannibal Cafe episode will be as stomach-churning as this one. We're going to talk a little bit about its history and its owner. He's a whole circus, so... I think that even if this one was hard for you to get through, you'll still want to tune into that one because it's super interesting to learn about a man who thinks it's okay to to build a community like this. So that'll be coming soon. And in the meantime, we're always an open ear for you. So if you have a deep, dark secret that you'd like to expose about your community or you see something terrible that's happening that you want our assistance with, just send us an email at deepdarksecretspodcast at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok as well. We'll be really responsive to you if you just reach out to us. So everybody stay safe out there and remember to keep your lights on. And don't eat a penis. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deepdarksecrets. 
sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.